0: So you're in the right room if you'd like to hear fortitude, collaboration, and humility, lessons from an EA-aligned char- charity startup. Brandon Epen co-founded Fortify Health with Nikita Patel to prevent anemia and neural tube defects in India. Fortify Health initially established its strategy and operations with funding and support from charity science. In 2018, it was awarded a GiveWell incubation grant to scale up its wheat flower fortification program. Brendan graduated from Harvard College, where he studied psychology, global health, and health policy. Before co-founding Fortify Health, he worked in Peru as part of the mental health teams at Partners in Health. Please help join me in welcoming Brendan to the stage. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Hi, everyone. So thank you so much for joining me today. I want to talk a little bit about what we're doing at Fortify Health just to give you some context, but then I want to speak more broadly about what I think some of the central tensions have been as an effective altruist starting an EA-aligned charity startup in a world of other global health actors. And so our goal at Fortify Health is to improve population health by addressing widespread iron deficiency anemia and neural tube defects in India. We're doing that through fortification, so just adding vitamins and minerals to food we already eat like iron, folic acid, and vitamin B12. So the problems we address namely include anemia. So half of women and children in India suffer from anemia. This is generally characterized by not being able to carry enough oxygen around your body, to your brain, to your muscles, which leads to fatigue, exhaustion, stunted cognitive development, economic loss, pregnancy complications, and yet other problems. Neural tube defects are the most common birth defect in India, Nearly four out of every 1,000 children born uh, actually have this defect, and it essentially is a malformation of the spine, the spinal cord, or the brain, and can be severely debilitating, dis- um, leading to physical and, and mental impairment. This is often and most often caused by folic acid deficiency in the first month of pregnancy before some people even know they're pregnant. So fortification, this adding of vitamins and minerals to food, is an evidence-based, cost-effective strategy to prevent these problems. But why did we start working on fortification? Uh, A little bit of a backstory. As someone interested in effective altruism for quite a while, I was excited to see Charity Science Health launch. Charity Science looked at a number of interventions that they thought effective altruists could successfully deploy as new startups. They looked at GiveWell's Charity We Like to See blog posts, they took suggestions from around the community, and they come up with their top five that they thought a non-expert could actually implement. You can see some of them on the screen. Charity Science Health was actually launched in-house to send text message reminders to new moms so their kids could get the vaccinations they need to keep them healthy and safe. We, as you may have guessed, uh, started Fortify Health in Iron and Folic Acid Fortification Group. So one of the central questions that we had to consider was whether young foreign non-experts could responsibly have an impact. And this is not a question we took lightly. The EA movement is very enthusiastic. There's a lot of resources and young people who are trying to do good. Um, but the question is, you know, is that actually always a good thing to deploy without the relevant expertise? And so I'm curious in the audience if anyone has uh, any insight into kind of what your key concerns would be for someone like me who doesn't necessarily have a background in the area that we're working in, uh, the, the actual geographic region, um, or a wealth of, of organizational experience to, to get involved. yeah absolutely right. Like do we need to do our own thing when there's an infrastructure there's kind of a framework, a wealth of expertise the true experts um why not why not work together I'll, I'll touch on this yeah absolutely yeah so so we would be really really you know devastated to find out that well we we jumped into this in some kind of flaky or transient way and other actors with, within the country or even government actors decided not to work on these problems, even though they, they would bring a different wealth of expertise, resources, might, uh, credibility, and even necessarily uh, per, perhaps a, a better, better sense of the best approaches to these issues. Yeah? And um, what's the sustainability of the approach? Right. Yeah. What happens when we go away or when effective altruists change their mind about what the most important priorities to fund? Are, are, are we able to sustain the work we're doing? Is someone else able to sustain that work? Uh, really important question. That, that's, that's a good start. So I'll, I'll add a couple of things that I thought were also important. So this consideration of starting or joining, right, whether the infrastructure that already exists, the experts that already are aligned on these issues, um, might be better able to use us as part of their team uh, rather than kind of having us step aside from them and and perhaps antagonize them or, or uh, fund their resources. Um, and this is this is a difficult question. A lot of EAs would think that the counterfactual value lies in creating something new, something that wouldn't be done otherwise. Um, but that uh, that relies on an assumption that this organization that already exists couldn't use you um, or couldn't use the resources that you could bring to the table, and that the kind of work you're doing in in isolation to some extent um, actually is adding value in a way that uh, you couldn't in that organization. And I think that 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 is an assumption that needs to be tested on a case-to-case basis, right? And and very humbly so. Uh, another one was neglectedness, right? I mean, is there really a gap, right? If there are great organizations working on these problems, um, do we really need one more? If if one more could add value, are there better people? I'm a non-expert, right? Couldn't, couldn't we find someone who could start that, that organization or, or that project better than me? And if those people are already busy doing other good work, are we good enough? Could, could we add some, some value? And what does the world look like when we start Fortify Health Or if we didn't, what does that mean for the pool of resources that are going towards these issues and other issues like them? Could we potentially cause harm in some way to to the movement, to the particular branding of this intervention, to the other actors, to the ability of government to actually invest in in these these kinds of interventions? Um, Or even directly through kind of a short-sighted or or superficial look at the intervention itself, could we actually implement something that hurts people? Um, And then... From our perspective, could could we grow? I mean, could we as individuals uh, become better enabled to have an impact on the world uh, if if we took on this project? And so, resolving these kind of key considerations was was trivial We sought guidance within and beyond these different domains. Um, So that means within and beyond the effective altruism community, which has a number of interesting ideas about maybe the moral preferences of of this kind of work, and outside the effective altruism community, asking people who are very critical of of these moral frameworks whether it made sense for us to get involved. Talking to people within the fortification space who are the experts in doing this, and those people who have related expertise in nutrition or public health, um, but maybe don't think fortification is, is the best solution. And talking to other people who... Uh, maybe have a sense of our own competency. Are we the right people to try to do something like this, or what would we need to do to become those people? We assessed our own core competencies to understand what a team would look like that complements our strengths and weaknesses. We realized that, to some extent, we could rely on external evaluation to support these kinds of judgments. You know, are other organizations willing to put skin in the game? Um, Could we get the kind of funding that would validate this kind of effort, because we know if we're applying to a GiveWell incubation grant, they're putting a thorough review of the team itself, as well as the intervention. We also thought other alternative career paths, right? What would we be doing otherwise if we didn't work on this project? What would it look like to work in a great organization that already exists, or to be working in support of a government project? And we compiled the advisory and support system that could help us build expertise across these domains, as well as provide this personal support that we needed. And I, I wanna particularly recognize Charity Science in this, who encouraged us to take on the project initially, then gave us the seed funding to get started and ongoing mentorship um, in, the, in the early months of, of this project that really continues to this day, but has taken different forms. So, how do you actually start? Uh, a non-trivial question, but we, we started off with some very early steps gain expertise. What is fortification? How are other people doing this? Do we really believe it works as well as we think? Then we filled in the kind of knowledge gaps by talking to experts, and we sought to identify the best possible targets. If we were going to start in a new project or bring new resources to the table, uh, where, where could we put those to best use? Then we talked to local organizations, in our case in India, and we were invited to visit. They said, come, come to India, see the work that we're doing, and uh, see whether there's a good place for you to get involved. So we were particularly concerned with these questions. Are, are we actually welcome to the table? I mean, are these, these local organizations interested in the kind of funding or additional support that we could bring to these issues? What strategies are or perhaps are not being employed? Can we learn from those? And are there actually gaps? I mean, do, do we need to exist um, for, for those gaps to be filled? Or could these other organizations perhaps do this work already better without us or in some ways with our support? And one of the things that we wanted to do when we were meeting with these organizations is support them in having access to the kind of resources that we had access to. So as we anticipated applying to a GiveWell incubation grant, we wanted to also connect these organizations to those potential funding streams to continue the work that they were doing at at larger scale. But there are some ideological differences, uh, as well as organizational constraints, that perhaps actually pose some barriers to accessing the funding uh, resources of the effective altruism community. And I think that provides perhaps some opportunities for the EA community to grow. As we readied ourselves to apply for an incubation grant, uh, we presented give with information about India and why we thought that was the best place to start a new project. We provided them conversation notes with the various organizations in India that we had consulted about getting involved in this field and the strategies that could be employed. We synthesized those strategies and wrote proposals for what we thought the best thing we could do to add value to the existing ecosystem, costed those out, and apply them to the effect, cost-effectiveness analysis that GiveWell had developed in-house for iron fortification. The long story short is that we were awarded a GiveWell incubation grant, um, and then we were asked to refine the strategy, build the dream team, and actually implement. Um, and this is a step that I think often doesn't happen in the EA circles, um, because we, we spend a lot of time in the kind of abstract questions, in the setting priorities, um, and, and this is really fun, this is really important, but uh, this is a whole different skill set. And and, and I really invite anyone who's kind of in this stage or considering moving into kind of implementation um, to join in office hours. I think we we can talk a lot about what it takes to kind of make that transition and to make that transition responsibly. So I want to spend the rest of this time together um, talking about some key clashes of intuition between what I'm calling the hyperbolized effective altruist. Uh, This doesn't describe any of you or the movement as a whole or any particular effective altruist. But rather, it's an example and perhaps an extreme example of some of the conclusions of this framework that might come at odds with what I'm going to call our critical global health actor. Um, These are people who are thoughtfully and ambitiously doing good work in the field that have perhaps a different moral frame on how they do this work or different intuitions about some of the best strategies to deploy it. And what what I'm arguing is that these are central tensions that we faced as a kind of EA-funded, EA-aligned organization who saw a lot of value in the kind of criticism that was coming from the global health community. And, and we sought to, to reconcile these two camps. So an EA might think that leaders should really be strong advocates and defenders of the EA approach. If this is an EA charity, then, you know, this moral framework uh, takes the cake. But someone critical might suggest that leaders really need to humbly engage with local actors and their local moral worlds. What really matters to the people who are working on these issues and who are affected by these kinds of interventions? And so this was critically important and could have been a, a substantial fail point early on. Uh, when we were talking to local NGOs or government officials, we had to be humble enough to learn from their approaches. Right? We had to understand what they were already doing and why. And we had to also be open-minded enough to consider what might immediately seem like less cost-effective approaches, uh, or those approaches which might be more complex to measure, but also critically important to take action. We also needed to be very receptive and even proactive about some of the weaknesses and blind spots of our own strategies, and even weaknesses and blind spots that we understood about the way effective altruists go about some of this work. We also, uh, as EAs, might want to hire other EAs, build a hierarchy under their leadership. We know that this kind of values drift in an organization could be very dangerous. Um, but someone critical to, to the EA movement might say, wait a second, we, we really need to develop a high-level local team that has a voice. This is participatory, and, and by which I mean to say the collaboration across this team um, is strongest when it's non-hierarchical, when you have the local voices representing what's possible, what's ideal, and are actively involved in the goal setting for the organization. And this was hard to do. Everyone we we sought to hire was older than I was, was more informed than I was, had a better sense of the local context, and this was exactly what we wanted, right? Um, and this is what I would encourage other EAs to do, not just to kind of uh, aggregate other effective altruists who think like them, um, but rather really to bring in the people who might have very different opinions about what's important uh, and and how to accomplish these goals. And this was particularly important when we thought about our core strategy. What were we willing to do and what were we unwilling to do? And it brought us to consider some of the less cost-effective approaches to resolving this problem because we thought they might actually be the more important ones. And, and this took a degree of flexibility for the organization. EAs may often want to independently execute a consequentialist strategy. This happens for a couple of reasons. One is measurability and credit. Uh, EAs are very interested in causal attribution. So do we know that Fortify Health actually did the thing that made the difference? Uh, but that could be very limited, right? We don't, we don't want to isolate or silo ourselves from collaboration with other organizations that either can make our work stronger or that with, with we could make their work stronger, right? And so that kind of collaboration is key. Um, and even if it muddies the waters on causal attribution, I would really encourage anyone who's working in these spaces to think about where these most productive uh, collaborations could lie. Others who are critical might really encourage us to engage other actors, to collaborate on, learn from, and respect their approaches. And these are strategic approaches, but also the kind of moral frames used to motivate this work. And like I said, this actually took a great deal of proactivity. We had to recognize the EA blind spots. We had to recognize our naivete the extent to which we didn't have the expertise that some of these organizations and people had from decades of work in the field. We also, as EAs, might kind of dismiss justified trade-offs, right? We do some sort of cost-benefit analysis. We recognize the kind of benefits we could have, the harms we could cause. We say, what's best for the world? Well, we, we kind of optimize that difference, right? Um, and, and that's inadequate for a lot of folks who are critical of, of effective altruism, right? That they would center us on really being wary of any intended or unintended negative consequences that we could have in the course of this work and encourage us not to treat the harms as negligible. That someone could suffer from the work that you're doing actually really matters, and even if you're doing something that seems net beneficial, um, that doesn't excuse you from considering the importance of mitigating those other risks. And, and this is something that I think is often missed in effective altruism or at least missed in the discourse around these ideas. And that's harmful to the people you're leaving behind, but it's also very alienating from the perspective of other organizations. Um, and and so, so I think this is something EAs need to be quite cautious of. And this... For us included everything from considering the risk of fortification right there are certain risks that uh, for some subset of the population it could actually be harmful it was a consideration in the millers the partners that we're working with um, harming their business if something were to go wrong in working with government programs shifting the grinding of wheat from the local level to these larger scale centralized levels that we could hurt the kind of local business of those people who are grinding, grinding wheat into flour. And, and so that, was, that weighed into the decision really to focus on some of the already centralized processes and uh, even the potential uh, risks of the various dosing paradigms that we could use and making sure that when we modeled the effectiveness of the intervention, we were considerate of these. Effective altruists really want to focus on scale and cost effectiveness. These are our central guides as a community. But others in global health would really have us focus on the vulnerable, prioritizing those who aren't reached otherwise, using that as motivation to actually innovate for greater benefit. We don't have to stick to kind of what we know in terms of what works and what doesn't and how much it costs, but we could challenge the social structures that kind of define those costs, that constrain the work that we're doing. Uh, And this is a kind of thinking bigger And maybe even accepting some greater uncertainty that the EA community has, I think, gotten better and better at, um, but but still hasn't uh, become as flexible as some of the other very radical and wonderful global health actors. And one of the key ways that we've kind of, in some ways, fallen into the EA trap of doing this is our focus on scale. We decided to work in India in large part because of how far we thought we could grow. But as a community, we may be systematically neglecting those smaller countries for which scale of this proportion just isn't possible. So I really commend organizations like Project Healthy Children, who are working on fortification projects in some of the countries that have been systematically neglected. It also comes up in the considerations about whether we do what's easier and more tractable, um, or whether we are kind of forced to put our heads together on how to actually affect the more challenging to reach Populations, right? And and this means perhaps the difference between centralized fortification at the mills catering to the most uh, well-off people and decentralized fortification, which might be harder to monitor or more expensive, but really be necessary to meet reach the people who are poorest um, or or the bulk of the population. EAs may want to focus on abstract problems and rational responses. Uh, and this is fun. This is good. It can help us, um, but. Others really want to focus on solidarity, compassion, caregiving, the humanistic side that actually, at the core of it, focuses on the individual, rather the masses, focuses on the person rather than than the scale of the problem. And I really invite folks to really integrate the two, that both in the way we think about the work that we're doing and the alignment of our own kind of character or experience of this work, relationship with the people that we're serving, but also the way that we talk about this, not losing people by talking about the massive impact you could have on kind of countless unknowns. In remembering that what we really care about is, well, we're aggregating all of this data because we care about every single individual who's affected, right? And and that most people who are working in this field really have a different attention than most EAs do to the people who they're serving, the people they're trying to improve some aspect of life for. EAs may often want to deploy and measure vertical interventions. It's cleaner. It's easier. They're easier to implement. The evidence base may be more, more robust, but you know, others who are critical of EA may really push us to strengthen existing systems, to focus on long-term impact, perhaps even sustainability. And as we try to work at scale, recognize that there are others much stronger than the EA community who are involved in this game. And, and that if we're going to be able to work together on this, uh, then we should be thinking about how the work we do uh, actually co- corresponds with and strengthens the work that other substantial actors, particularly government actors, may be doing in the field. And so although I've kind of highlighted a few central tensions that I think characterize this work and have been important to some of the operational and strategic decisions that we've made, I I do want to remind us that others in the field actually are after a lot of the same things that that we're after as an EA community. We're trying to thoughtfully, creatively, and enthusiastically take action to serve the needs of others. And so instead of siloing ourselves based on kind of a strategy or a consequentialist worldview that seems perhaps to be in some ways uh, alternative to mainstream approaches... I think we need to find those ways to integrate. We need to humbly ask ourselves, how can we learn from the people who are doing this good work, and how do we work together? And so to kind of close in reflection, the themes of this talk have been fortitude, collaboration, and humility. I want to provide you the kind of fortitude, the boldness to take well-guided action, to overcome these barriers to doing something, right, rather than nothing, Um, And to surround yourself with the right kind of support to make sure that that's work that's done responsibly. That's work that's done in alignment with other actors. And that's a community that can support you through your personal barriers to doing something about this. You are empowered to do something. I want you to collaborate with others, to have meaningful, close engagement with an empowered team. So it's not just your EA vision being implemented by kind of agentless actors, but rather something that is more collaborative and that that collaboration extends beyond your team into uh, the space where other actors are working. I also encourage you to be humi- be more humble, to embrace this humility, prepare to be wrong, prepare to change course on your strategy, prepare to stop when actually what you set out to do doesn't turn out to work or to work well enough or to support the work of others. And to speak with openness eagerness to learn from the perspectives of others, rather than with this agenda to advance kind of an EA cause or an EA aligned strategy. I want to put up a couple of pictures of some of our awesome team in India, who has really been at the core of these strategic decisions we've made in terms of how we implement our work. Uh, And our strategy has changed course, and we've learned quite a bit by having a really, really strong group of individuals putting our heads together on how do we use the awesome resources that EA could provide in the most effective ways, but maybe not always the most intuitive ways to an effective altruist. I'll highlight that we have office hours um, in the co-working space at 3 p.m., and there's an entrepreneurship meetup where you can talk to me and Kat Friedman and others about getting involved in kind of starting something new and what some of the critical considerations might be uh, if you're on the fence. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Thank you, that was a really scintillating talk. I think it's uh, not obvious just how many ways in which we have these, you know, these natural inclinations to do things that kind of butt heads with the, the global health community. Um, I was hoping you could contextualize your talk a bit uh, with the specific work that you were doing, sure. um, so maybe speak to how long it took until you were actually doing something on the ground, or um, what what some of the biggest trials were in that initial starting process. Yeah, absolutely. My I...
1: yeah. So so I think I think that one of the kind of early steps was how far do we need to go to know that this is a good idea, right? Um, and I think it, it wasn't until we actually were sitting down face to face with the other people who are working on these kinds of projects in India that we felt we had strong enough invitation to join them in this work. That we felt like we could actually be a productive and, and not isolated actor in this space and that the gap was large enough that there was there was actually something meaningful we could do that wouldn't happen without us. Um, and, and that was about four months into the kind of work on this project and building of these ideas. And then I would say that the, the most essential work of this project happened over the course of last summer, when we were really trying to assemble the dream team, right? We were trying to figure out what does it take to do this work that I don't know how to do, right? <laughs> I, I, I can talk to EAs, perhaps I can get some money, GiveWell's reviewing us now, I hope we can get some more money um, to do this kind of work, but the, the money doesn't speak for itself. You really have to implement a strategy that is thoughtful and, and effective, and Those strategies have really come from our our partners and collaborators and teammates in India.
0: Yeah, so you you were speaking to the Dream Team, and I I try to imagine putting myself in your shoes and feel quite overwhelmed. You know, it's a a difficult research problem in and of itself, let alone figuring out how to execute in a totally unknown environment. How can somebody in the audience Mm -hmm. determine whether or not this is something that they would be a good fit for? Yeah, I think...
1: I would be very happy to talk to folks during office hours, talking to folks after this talk um, about you know what I think has worked well or not worked well for for my own involvement um, and what I was thinking about. I think that the you know critical considerations are you know how flexible can you be, um, what kind of attitude can you set, and what kind of culture can you build within a team, and how willing to be. Wrong are you? How willing are you to defer to the judgments of of other people, their expertise? Um, Can you set yourself up to really rely on on the knowledge of others to to determine the best possible path forward?
0: Cool. Well, unfortunately, for the sake of time, we're going to have to call it there. But thank you so much for your presentation. Great. Thank
1: you.